All right, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Luke, chapter 15. And I want to say on, on behalf of me and Lisa, I just want to say thank you for the gifts and all the cards and all the things that I uh, see over there that I'm ready to tear into as soon as uh, we get home today. And so I just, again, want to, want to thank you and I appreciate you so much. And as we, uh, as we approach one year uh, on our church, we're just, as we've been, I've been personally just kind of looking back and seeing some things and, and, uh, and not only would I do it all over again, but I, hopefully I would do better uh, uh, than, than what we have done this year. I believe that we've accomplished a lot of good things and, and uh, I do believe that it is just uh, scratching the surface on what the Lord has for us. I do want to say a couple other things before we really get into scripture uh, this morning and really begin our, our message is that um, uh, I said it over the last couple of weeks that I've, I've thanked Brother Jake and I've thanked uh, Brother Jacob and their, their hard work and their willingness to uh, just get in here and get their hands dirty and just to to, uh, to work in just a special way. I, I thank KK and, and Lisa, my wife, that of, of their dedication and their commitment uh, and, and all their work. And so uh, I left out Cassie, does more work than uh, Jacob. I should have thanked her more than Jacob. But anyway, uh, but just, uh, and I've, I want to thank you as a church family of just uh, allowing us to be able to, to minister to you, to get into your life as much as possible. And, uh, and I hope it's just the beginning uh, of us being able to minister to each and every one of you. And so as I have just prayed and, and asked the Lord this week and had some discussion at home and also uh, had some discussion uh, with a couple of guys that I really love and admire uh, in the ministry of, you know, you always kind of want to ask yourself and, and see what are you doing? What are we accomplishing and I, I even go back a year ago for me and just even starting this church. And, you know, I believe we're all on a on a journey. And and what I mean by that is or to be a little bit more specific, I think each and every one of us where it's a uh, we're either found in one of two places. Either you have a relationship with God or you don't have a relationship with God. OK. And uh, if you don't have a relationship with God, I pray that through our messages, through our life, through our conversations, through a lot of things that we do, that we could present for you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would see what it is to have a relationship with God. That's what we desire. That's what we want for you if you don't have a relationship with God. If you do have a relationship with God, that is just the beginning. Your, your journey, your process is, is, is really starting. And um, we want to be able to not just leave you where you are. We don't want you to be different this time next year. We want you uh, and myself and everyone included to be able to take steps in their life. And so that's where we want to be able to help you. Uh, I believe the Lord, everything that's, the, that's coming at you, against you, for you, all those different things, it's to grow you, mature you in the Lord. And so, uh, and so that's where we want to be able to help you along in your journey. And so it's difficult to do that when you're talking about in, in this room, there's people that are at different stages in their life. There's, I don't believe there's no biblical or a magical uh, formula state of stages where people are. Uh, but 
we, you need and we need to be walking in such a way that we're growing more and more closer to the Lord and that we're looking more and more like Him. And so, uh, and I believe that's why we've got to be very intentional with each other, to encourage each other, to minister to one another so that we could help each other along the way. All right, that's just a little spill that I had, probably just more for me than it was for you. But uh, I'm, as Brother Jake was just saying a second ago, that I'm excited about our new uh, sermon series. It's five weeks and it's called Thankful. I know we're getting into our, uh, the month of November. We'll have people that, that won't shave this month, you know, uh, men and ladies, uh, no, I'm just joking, uh, that won't shave this month of November uh, and all those different things. But I know we're getting into this season of thankfulness because Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, but I, I thought it was good that it was during this season, but I also think it's very relevant to where many of us are today. Uh, I think when we look at the gospel, when we look at the Bible, uh, we see that in any season that we are in, uh, we should be and we could be very thankful in that season because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so over the next five weeks, this morning we'll look at being thankful in second chances. Okay, being thankful in second chances, having an opportunity basically in the Lord. We'll look at that first and foremost. And then next week, uh, it'll actually be uh, Brother Jake. He'll be preaching and he, he's going to be talking about thankfulness in daily provisions. Many things that we just don't find ourselves thanking the Lord for that the Lord is. If we stopped and like the old song said, stop and stop and count your blessings, name them one by one. There's many things that we should be absolutely thankful for each and every day of our life. Uh, we'll be relating to the story of the children of Israel as bread food was actually literally falling down from heaven and they complained about it. And we'll be seeing some things of how we complain about those things in our lives. Uh, of miracles that God has just blesses us with each and every day. And so we'll look at that next week. The following week is when we'll be at the Railroad Museum and we will be looking at thankful, thankful for good days. Okay. And we'll have a time of celebration and we'll look at some scripture of how God is just, we, in the good days is a lot of times that we don't find ourselves celebrating. Be, I'll be honest with you. When things are going good, I, you know, in, in most church circles, it says, and when the Bible says, weep with those who weep, and then it talks about rejoicing with those who rejoice. Many times in the church, we're not rejoicing with each other. You know, a lot of times it's like, why is that guy being able to get that new truck? Or why, that, why is that person being able to get this new job? Why are they able to get those things instead of being able to celebrate with them? So thankful in good days. Then we'll look at a, the next thing the following week when my brother is here on November the 18th, it'll be thankful in dry days, thankful in dry days. And for me, you know, even for me and Lisa, you know, a couple weeks ago, we're just looking and, you know, there's, there's times in our life where you just kind of become stagnant. You become stale. And, uh, you know, what is God trying to show us in those kind of dull, those lulled kind of times in our life? And so we want to look at that during that week. And I know that'll be a real encouragement to us. So the last one is, is, uh, is uh, my friend Joey Smith. He'll be coming in uh, on the last week of November, uh, thankful during uh, tough days, during, uh, during uh, 
during some really rough moments in our life. And so we'll be looking at that and seeing how God is still on his throne, even in the real, real difficult days of our life. And so I believe these next five weeks, including today, are going to be a real encouragement to us. It's going to be an encouragement to you. If you allow the Lord to just speak to you, I want to encourage you, even with Alabama and LSU playing next week, to be back in church, right? No matter if they win or lose, but they'll, they are going to beat Alabama, all right, next week, all right? So let's look at our scripture, Luke chapter 15, and we're actually going to we're actually going to start reading in verse 25, okay? Now, I want to explain to you what's happening in verse 11 through 24, because this is a very, very familiar passage of scripture to us uh, in, in church, if you grew up in church, okay? It is the story, as it many times referred to, as the, as the story of the prodigal son, because in, in the uh, 13th verse of this chapter, it talks about that he went and had, and he was in prodigal living, okay? And so that's why it's constantly referred to him as the prodigal son. But I want us to understand, this is, as I believe, even better description of this, is if you read the, the, the entire chapter, it is the, the parable. Jesus is going around and teaching parables. We saw last week a parable is, is an earthly example with a heavenly meaning, okay? And so, uh, you know, I always pick out somebody in the, in the congregation, right? But, you know, Jacob works for the water, water company. And so if I said something in relation to uh, this pipe and that pipe and that meter, uh, which I don't even know what I'm talking about, but he does, right? And so if I gave a good example of a biblical illustration, a heavenly illustration on something that he can relate to, It'll make sense to him. And that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was very relatable to the people. And so in chapter 15, he talks to them about a lost sheep. He gives them an example of a lost sheep, of how when one is lost, you go and you find that sheep. Also, he goes and talks about a lost coin, that you would do the same thing. This meant a lot, uh, meant a lot to the person, the lady, who lost the coin because it really signified and meant so much. And then when we get to the last part of this story, Jesus talks about the lost son, okay? And so when he does this, like I said, the uh, people in, and I, I really feel like us in De Quincey, there's a lot, of, a lot of us that have been raised in church, that have a lot of church talk, a lot of church lingo. And, uh, and I think that's, that's who our audience is. I think that's not only who we are, but the people that are around us have heard a lot of these stories before. And with that comes some baggage. With that comes some, some um, uh, I think, misunderstood ideas a lot of time. And with, the, with this lost son, as we explain the prodigal, this is how, in a lot of ways, it's explained. That here's a person who is a believer, and that uh, maybe it's about 15 or 16 years old that they, that they go to youth camp and that they have this experience and you know what, I'm on fire for the Lord is that's the church terminology, right? And so then, you know, their, their late teenagers uh, years are there and they start to do their uh, ungodly things and they go to college, do their ungodly things. And listen, I'm not picking on anybody in this room because a lot of you look at me and be like, okay, th yeah, that's me. But anyway, they come, you know, they have a young family at 25, 26, maybe 30 years old. And, and they start, they want to start raising that, that person, uh, those kids in church. And they said, you know what, I'm, I'm coming back to church. I'm not like that product son. And I don't believe when you look at scripture and you uh, just examine it, I don't believe the Bible gives you a pass 
for that kind of testimony. Uh, as I always refer to it as the gap testimony, is that, you know what, I was here, I was walking with the Lord, and for years, no sign of godliness at all, and then boom, God forgive me, and I'm back in your good graces. I don't believe the Bible teaches us that's, uh, that's a good thing at all, uh, or a godly thing, and I don't believe that's what the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about here, as far as this gap period with the prodigal son. Also, I think a good scripture, you don't have to turn to it, but Proverbs 22, 6 gives us a good verse. It says, train up a child in which in the way he should go when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's another thing that a lot of times in church, you will hear this verse completely uh, uh, just, again, misunderstood and misquoted. Uh, and, and a lot of times we'll understand this, at a, you know, as far as a, a child being raised in a so-called godly house. And they begin to rebel that the parents could just kind of cling to this verse. That's what the church kind of teaches that don't worry, they'll return back to their teaching because I raised them in church. And it has to be so much more than that. And the scripture actually says, train him, train a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. He won't go out to those ways. He will stay true to the words of God uh, and, to the, and to God's word. And so it does not give us evidence at all for this prodigal son, this prodigal person going out into the world, living their life, uh, and then coming back to God. Also understanding, like I said, the origin of the story was, uh, I don't believe it's necessarily talking about someone who was a Christian, stay with me, that a person who is necessarily a Christian that gets out of the will of God and then comes back, Okay. And I'm going to give you some examples of that in just a second. But I believe the origin of the story is talking about really, uh, as we refer to in a lot of times in church talk, and I'm hopefully going to explain it uh, to us just a little bit, is you may have heard this term before, the age of accountability. Okay, I believe for us, when, whenever we are a young person that is growing up, maybe five, six years old, and, and we have just begun to understand, um, you know, what right and wrong is, what sin is, uh, maybe, and for some people it's a little longer than others for them to figure out, you know, what's happening in their life. This is something for me that I have dealt with with my older two children. Uh, one now is 13 years old and one uh, just turned 10 years old, and we have been able to, to just talk to them about the things of God. If we were to able to ask them, um, do you believe in God? Absolutely. Do you understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? They would say, absolutely. Do you know what sin is? Yes, I know what sin is. But we have to fight through that and we have to get in there in their lives for them to really truly understand what their sin is and what, how their sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross and that we need to be desperate to have a relationship with holy God for as God to forgive us of our sins and then for us to come and accept him as our savior. And so for us, it comes at different points in our lives as we're growing up. But before that time, if you're still with me, before that time of truly understanding, I believe that you're in God's graces. I believe that you're part of the family of God. I believe even as young as a person who is in a mother's womb and, and God forbid something would happen to that child. I believe that child has not done anything sinful and wrong, even with the sin nature inside of them, that I believe that person will experience all of glory. I do. I believe scripture backs that up. And so 
with that, when they come to that age of understanding, that age of accountability, they have turned away, and I believe this is what the story is going to support, is that they have turned away from what God had for them, and they start to do their own thing, start to go our own way. And that is the story of this lost son. And uh, just like I said, of my own children, as I have tried to explain to them and instruct them the things of God, that for them, it's important for them, and it's important for each and every person that we're dealing with today, for you to understand of how God has us, he has us in his arms, and we're part of God's children, and because of sin and us doing our own thing and going our own way, that we rebel against holy God. And God knew this, right? This is all the way back to Adam and Eve, all right? This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve knew that God said, here is what I want you to do, and everything is yours. The one thing that I don't want you to do is touch this tree. And that was the one thing that they wanted to go and do was to grab from that tree, right? And they rebelled against God. And that is what, everything I just said, I'm trying to explain it to you real quick. That is what broke the relationship between God and man. And for us, when we look at Adam and Eve, we all kind of look at them and saying, why would you do that, number one? And why is Adam and Eve's sin passed down to me? Well, because guess what? When I said all of that stuff a while ago, and maybe I lost you, but whenever you started to understand what sin was, you found yourself just in the same place as Adam and Eve was, that they were in. That they chose to do the things against God, just like Adam and Eve did uh, all those years before. We have all made that same choice to break that relationship with God. And God is the one this is why we should be thankful this morning. God is the one because of that sin. He is the one that came after us. He is the one that sent the plan down on this earth, which was the Lord Jesus Christ to make reconciliation for us, for us to be able to be drawn back to God because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed uh, for us this morning. And so that is what the story is about. It's about a relationship with God. Many times in church, again, I've kind of picked on us who have grown up in church a lot this morning, uh, but a lot of us that have grown up in church, we've used these terms, we've used these words as far as saved, as far as lost, and all of these different things is because once a person has chosen their own way and done these things and broken that relationship between them and God, that we have lost our way, we have been uh, on our own journey and that God is wanting to bring us back. He's wanting us to, he's wanting to save those who have been lost and uh, because of us choosing our own way, all right? And so we need to understand as we get into this scripture that God is the one that has given us everything. God is the one that has, is the one that is coming after us and doing all these things. Now, the story of the prodigal son, the story of the lost son, you remember, and just to refresh your memory, what he does is, is he asks his father. He says, Father, give me my inheritance. Give it to me what is due, what is owed to me. Now, the father, the story tells us, he had two sons. He had an older son and he had a younger son. Now, in that tradition, in that day and age, the older son uh, would have gotten a double portion. And so, uh, just between the two of them, he would have gotten two-thirds of the father's Wealth the, of everything the father had, the older son would have gotten two thirds. The third, the second son, that is not the firstborn, he would have gotten a third of his father's possession, and that is what he asked for. He's basically saying to his daddy, 
I wish you were dead. That I, my choices in who I am is greater than, not, than who you are and your riches. I want what is mine, just the selfishness in that story. I want what is mine and I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, not only we would say this lost world, but you and I. I don't know if we've consciously understood when we started making choices as a young person, as a young boy and as a young girl, that that is what we ultimately did to God. Is that we said, God, I am smarter than you and I want to go and do my own things. This is what Garen knows what to do. Garen knows what he likes. And I want to choose to go this way and do those things. And that is what the lost son did. He said, I want what's mine. And the father gave it to him. I believe we understand this and see this as just God allowing us to have free will for us to choose and for us to have a choice on what we want to do. If we are robots or we are angels and we don't have an opportunity to to choose between God and we just are just robots and worshiping him. He doesn't have a people who have a choice to worship him or not. And so God allows us to have a choice. And when we see him for who he is and we worship him for who he is, he has a people that have a choice to worship him. And so I I just God uh, gives us that opportunity. And he gave this this father gave this to his lost son, said, if you don't want to be here, then take your possession and go. And we know what happens. He goes. He lives this ungodly lifestyle. He has friends for a moment. As soon as his money ran out, what happened? His friends ran out. Right. And so he goes and he he finds himself trying to provide for himself that he's feeding the pigs. He's there as, as with this job that he has just a just a, uh, a, a job that he's not proud of at all. And he realizes, you know what? My father's rules are not as bad as I once thought they were. And he knows that he, even his daddy's hired servants, people that he was over before, are treated better than he's being treated right now. And he goes, I'd be better off within my father's house being treated better than this, even as a servant, than out here in the world, out here without, my, without the protection and the love and the care of my father's home. And see, with us, when we come to Christ, and we, well, first of all, when we leave the graces of God and, and, and we are doing our own thing in this place of, of being lost and, and, this, and, and doing our own selfish uh, deeds and the things that we want to do, when we really come to the end of ourselves, when I'm talking to someone about salvation, it's for them to really understand when they have really come to the end of their selves and they, and they have wasted all of the things of their life. And that's what the lost son did, didn't he? He went out into the world. He started working. He started doing all these things. He spent all his money. And then he just kind of, he's broke. He has nothing. And he realizes it, that it was so much better off in his father's house than in his own way. And so for any of us to have a relationship with God, we've got to find ourselves in that desperate state this morning. 
And, and that's why I said when I'm talking to my own children, when I'm talking to someone else that needs a relationship with the Lord, they have got to come to the end of their selves to say, you know what? I cannot be equal up to God. I cannot please God on my own. There's no way that I could experience heaven that only a perfect God gives. I would have to be perfect in order for me to experience that. And the only way for us to experience that is to come to the end of ourselves, to realize that we would always fall short. And that the only person that could give me that kind of lifestyle, the only person that can give me that kind of gift is the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed for you and I. So the son begins to make his journey back home. And when he makes his journey back home, the father is there waiting for him and looking for him just as the Lord Jesus Christ is patiently waiting for us to return to him for this place of fellowship. Now I want to pick up, I told you a long time ago, and I, I'm sorry I lied to you, but now we're finally going to read uh, Luke chapter uh, 15 and verse 25, just to look at this story a little clearer. If you're still with me, just a little nod this morning, everybody's all right, still with me. And it says, now his older son, I believe this is the description uh, really and truly of who we are more so than the lost son. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. The son, you remember, his brother just returned home. Verse 26 says, so he called one of the servants. This is the older son. He, the older brother calls one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Verse 27 says, and he said to him, your brother has come and because... He has received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. The father is having a party for him, for the son that has been lost, that is now found. Verse 28, the older son says that he was angry and would not go in to the house where the party was happening. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. The father comes out and he goes once he figures out that his son's outside, that he won't come in, that he goes out to his older son and he pleads with him. And verse 29 says, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, but he don't refer to him as his brother. He says, as soon as this son of yours came, you uh, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. And what it's basically showing him is that this older son is comparing himself to the younger son, to his younger brother. And he's saying, listen, he is wicked. He's ungodly. He's wasted your money on harlots. He's wasted your money on everything that he wanted to do. And now he's come home and you have just given him whatever he's wanted when he's come home. And he said, why would you do that when the older son says to him, I've been here. Let's look at verse 30. He says, uh, verse 29, excuse me, he says, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat. That I, might, that I might make merry with my friends. He's saying, listen, I've been here the whole entire time. Not only have you not killed the greatest thing, which is the fatted calf, but you've not even given me a young goat. You've never invited my friends over. I've been here. I've been doing all these things for you. 
What does that tell us this morning? He is looking at his younger brother. He's in judgment towards his younger brother. And he looks really good compared to his brother. But the problem is, see, we can see all of the outward sins, can't we? We're not the people this morning when we're here in a cafeteria uh, on a Sunday morning. And, you know, we're not the ones that are uh, living an adulterous lifestyle. We're not the ones going out there and, you know, that we're actually sober this morning to come to church. We're not the ones that are out there doing all these so-called ungodly things, the things that we could see, the things that are easy to point our finger at and say those things are wrong. But the older son, he's just, he's religious. He seems like he's godly. He seems like he's been a good, upstanding citizen and a good, upstanding son to his daddy. But the whole time, the inside of him is just eaten up with things that you can't put your finger on, which is envy. He's envious of his brother. He's prideful of who he is. All of these emotions that's inside of him, he's, he doesn't understand that he's just as wicked, he's just as ungodly as his brother. And so for us, we're dealing with, a, not only with us this morning, but we're also dealing with the people around us that are really, for the most part, are really good-hearted people. And they may not be the people that are going out there and, and spending their money, as the older brother described his brother, as uh, his younger brother, as spending his money on harlots. We, he may not be, you, your friends around you, and you, you yourself, you may not be out there doing those sins as we describe them as like the worst things to do. But the inside of us are just filthy and ungodly as the older son is. And so it tells us here in verse 30, he says that, but as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, this is the father to the son, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. He could not be thankful for all the things that God had given him. Instead, he was more worried about the things that the father had given his brother and how he lost it all. He was not, a, he was not happy that his, that his uh, brother had come home. He didn't celebrate in the party. He, he was miserable. He was just beside himself that all these things had taken place. I'm going to dismiss our older kids at this time. He was beside himself. Everybody else was celebrating and having a good time. And he was miserable because of the inside, inside of him was just eaten up with all of these emotions, these, all these things that I described to us just a few minutes ago as far as pride. And as far as self-righteousness inside of him, look what I have done. And so as we see this right here in, the, in these verses, he's saying, listen, everything that I have given to you is yours. At this point, the, older, the younger son has already spent all of the money that was to him, the third of what the father had, right? So everything else that is being spent right now is actually the older son's inheritance. And so he was very prideful. He didn't have a place of, 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 of welcoming and sharing and all of these different things. He was, as I said before, he was very hard hearted. Now, just to bring this story in this morning so we can make a little bit of a landing on this story. 
is that for us, we need to see that God is the one that has received us. God is the one that is wanting to bring us back to him in this right standing. It has been and has our relationship with God has been broken because of our sin. And so, as I said a while ago, in our own life's journey, we we find ourselves either with a relationship with God or without a relationship with God. And I hope and I trust this morning that you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ with your life, meaning that, you know what, that I have seen myself in this place of desperation, that it is better to be in the house of the, of the Lord and it's better to be home with God in a relationship with him than anything else that this world has to offer. And so I hope this morning that you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And when you return home, and this is what the real message is about this morning, when you have been reconciled to God and that you can actually stand face to face with holy God because of how you've allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to come in your life to save you to be the Lord of your life. And could you imagine this morning and put yourself in the shoes of this lost son as he comes back home, he should come back home very thankful to know, you know what? The only reason that I have anything is because I've already spent everything that I have. There's nothing that I have. I'm coming on the graces of somebody else, somebody else's love, somebody else's is price that was paid on my behalf. And for us, that price has been paid through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so for us to come in, just like this lost son, if he came in and started demanding things, if he started coming in with expectation, then you would just kind of want to slap him, right? And so for us, we need to be a thankful people because God cared so much about us that when we were lost and we were dead in our sins, we were dead in our trespasses, God still loved us and cared for us. And if we'd have read a few verses before what we started at this morning, the father was constantly looking for his son to return. Everything was made, everything, the, the way was made for the son to return home. All he had to do was choose to return home. And God was there patiently waiting for the son to return and he greeted him with open arms, which you will find in this world. Maybe, you'll, maybe you find yourself in this situation this morning is that people think that they've done too much. People think that they have gone too far, that God can't forgive me when the father is there the whole time with open arms. And so you, you come in and you, God has received you and you have this relationship with God. And many times we find ourselves as church members, or better yet, as Christians with a sense of expectation. With a sense of, you know what, I, I expect this and I want this. When if the lost son had any sense about him when he came home after the red carpet was rolled out for him, he should be asking anyone and everyone, what can I do for you? The fact that he was home, the fact that he was received back home. And the, lost son, the, the older son is in one way a picture of a person, of a person who has all these sinful things inside of him. It doesn't really continue to tell us 
about the older son, about the older brother. It tells us here in verse 32 what the father tells him in response. And when he says, you know what, your son has done all of these things and you basically rewarded him for it. And the father says it was right that in verse 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad because for your brother was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is now found. And for me, I had to, I might not have gone down this crazy road as far as finding myself uh, in some in, in drugs and alcohol and just this so-called wicked and ungodly lifestyle. But I see myself in a lot of ways as this older brother that I had to check myself as a, at the door as well to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, even though I may not have gone out there so-called in the pig pen in that unrighteous living, but the self-righteous, to know that, you know what, there's nothing good inside of me, that I am thankful for who my father is. I'm thankful and know that I need to check myself at the door as well to have that kind of relationship with God because the only reason that I have anything is because of all the things that God has given me. And so the, the older son should be, yes, it's his, but it's only because the father has graciously given it to him. But he's allowed pride and all these self-righteous uh, emotions and attitudes to just eat him alive. And so for us this morning, as we look inward to ourselves, to know that only, the only reason that we could hang our hat on anything is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way we can. And so it doesn't matter if you're the older son or the younger son, but you know, the Bible tells us really clearly and I want you to get this this morning. Doesn't matter what son you see yourself as, they both needed that right relationship with their father. The older son, though, it kind of reminds you of the, what the Lord tells us in Scripture as far as God the Father. And when he made things, when he made everything on this earth, the book of John tells us that all things were made through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his son Jesus all things were made for him. That it even goes so far to tell us that he is the firstborn, Jesus is. He is the firstborn of all creation. And the only way that we can be in right standing with holy God is through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's his son, Jesus, that all possession lies inside of him. And so the only reason that we have anything between us and God is through his firstborn, which is Jesus Christ himself. The Bible does tell us as Christians, if you're a believer this morning, that the same blessings that Jesus had, if you're a believer, is inside of you. The same inheritance that Jesus has, you have as well. And so when we, doesn't matter if we see ourselves, like I said, as the, the older son or the younger son, to know that we can have a relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And that's why this morning I'm very thankful for second chances. Amen. I'm thankful for an opportunity when I say that to be reconciled with God. 
to know that I have chosen to go my own way and to live my own ungodly lifestyle. Whether it's like the older son who did it with the stuff on the inside, that self-righteousness, or it was like the younger son that went out there and he just sold his wild oats, basically. Whatever situation it is to know that we can be back in right fellowship with God through this place of reconciliation with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be thankful. Maybe we be a thankful people. And so, like I said, when we come to church and when we're about other people and, and when we're around other people, may we not be self-centered. May we not want to be, uh, be the people that we said a while ago we wanted to slap that young son uh, upside his head if he came in demanding things, expecting things. He should have a heart of thankfulness. And to knowing that just by the grace of God and by the grace of his father is the only reason that he is even able to be inside of that house. I want to turn our attention this morning, if you can find it, and uh, I promise you I'm almost done, in the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah. I didn't have it already, too, by the way. I just turned, okay? Anyway, that goes for my growth group. I mean, my community group. Uh, my, uh, Jonah chapter 4. I love this and I want, us to, I want us to get this part of our application and I promise that we're done. We're going we're gonna to close on this. But in Jonah chapter 4, how many of you remember the story of old Jonah? How many of you heard a little bit of story of Jonah, right? Anybody, there we go, a couple of people. All right. Jonah, God told him to go to this certain country to preach the gospel to this group of people. Jonah was so... Jonah, I'm, 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 I'm just thankful that he wasn't around me in a way to, in, that I looked to him for an encouragement because I wouldn't have found it in Jonah. Okay? You remember the story of how he finds himself in a whale of a problem? Right, Kristen? Right? In a whale of a problem? Jonah did. Uh, he, God tells him to go this way. Jonah, a, a boat is lined up right here and that it's taking him the opposite direction, he gets on that boat and starts going in the opposite direction. Storms start coming, uh, and he, they figure out it's because he's uh, rebelling against God. And so they, the people on the boat literally throw him, and Jonah tells them to, you might as well throw me overboard. That's the only way that this ship is going to survive. Well, sure enough, they throw him overboard. He finds himself in a big fish, the Bible tells him, tells us, and that he's swallowed up and he's there in the belly of that, of that fish for three days and three nights. And then finally he's vomited back up onto land and he finally goes to the place that God had told him to go in the first place. Jonah sounds a lot like us, right? Doing the long way around, the hard way to get back where God wanted us to be in the first place. And so he finds himself there and he goes and he preaches the gospel to these people. Now, Jonah was a very prejudiced person. He hated the people, literally hated the people that God told him to go and preach to. He began to be mad at God. You don't hear this in our little kid stories about Jonah, right? He was so prejudiced towards those people, and he believed so much in who God was that he knew if he preached to those people that they would come to know the Lord because of the graces of God. And he didn't like them, and he didn't want them to have the graces of God. But I love this in this part of the story, in our place of gratefulness. Verse 1 of Jonah 4. 
But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and Jonah became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I, when I was still in my country? Therefore I, I fled uh, previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. God, you're slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now look, he's setting, and I hate to say this, but he's basically, it's like somebody giving you a compliment and you're waiting for the butt, right? And he's telling God, he said, God, the whole reason I didn't want to go and witness to these people is because I knew what kind of God you are. Look, when tough times are coming our way and we seem like there's no hope, do remember what Jonah said. God, you are a gracious and merciful God. Thank the Lord for that this morning. Amen. God, you're slow to anger. Can I be a, can I just testify a little bit this morning? I pray this week. That'll be my prayer. You could ask me next week if I was this. My kids would love for me to be a little slower to anger, a little slower to discipline. And I sure am thankful that I serve a God that is slow to anger. Can we let that sink in a little bit this morning? That we serve a God that is slow to anger, meaning that when we mess up, God's not out to zap you or slap you upside your backside like we deserve as fast as we would do maybe to other people. And he says an abundant, I mean, just overflowing in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. When we deserve harm, when things should be coming our way, God is the one that is being merciful and God is the one that is holding back because of the love that he has for us. Anyway, continue on. Verse 3 says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. We don't hear this story in our children's story, right? You never heard that part of it. Jonah's asking God to take his life. It says, For it is better for me to die than to live. With an exclamation point. Lisa always Gives me a hard time about I'm reading a text and adding exclamation points. But look at that in, in that verse. He is saying, take, he goes, take my life for it is better for me to die than to live. He goes on and says, and the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under, under it in the shade till, uh, till he might see what would become of the city. So he sits there. Verse six says, and the Lord God prepared a plant. Listen to this closely in verse six. The Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from the misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. He was there mad as all get out at God. Okay. He was so mad at God, questioning everything, and he goes and he just sits there and just looks and stares at the city, prepares him a little place, and God, even though he tells him, is it right for you to be angry? Ask Jonah a question. In verse 6, God even prepares a plant for, to come over him to shade him in his misery. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of father that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that even in our place of just mad pouting, arms crossed, sitting down in our own little selfish way, and God still provides him a little shade tree. And he says that Jonah was grateful for the plant. You don't see that he's necessarily grateful to God and his loving kindness towards him in that moment. He's grateful for the shade. And verse 7 says, but as morning dawned in the next day, God, not Satan who we like to blame it on, but God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. You say, what a stinking sad song of, you know, story this is. And it happened, verse 8, when the sun arose, that God prepared a uh, vehement, vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself, Jonah does again, and said, is it better for me to die than to live? It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, to really wrap this up, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it right for me to be angry even to death? But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made to grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And it says, and I should, and sh and should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between right hand and their left hand and much livestock. What God is telling them here is that here was a city that was in desperate need and Jonah didn't want to share the good news to that city. He should have been thankful of what God has done for him and he should have wanted to pass that on to another group of people. But because of the inward wickedness and the self-righteousness that was inside of Jonah, he didn't want to pass that along to them. And when he did, he really rebuked God and he was mad at God for it. And even in his place of soaking and souring there in just this pity party that he was having, God even prepared a plant. He was happy when the plant was there. When the plant died, he was mad. And God's telling him, listen, did you do anything to provide for that plant for it to grow and for it to give you shade? No, God is the one that took care of all those things. We serve a God this morning that is taking care of us and providing for us and we should be thankful this morning. Can I see some nods, all right? We should be a thankful people to know we're just like those two miserable boys of the Father. One that was there eating up from the inside and one that was showing it outwardly in how he was eating up. And God is there the whole time in loving arms, ready to receive us, ready to have a party to know that he wants us there in his house and in good graces with him so he could show us who we need to be in him along the way. Even when we mess up and even when we're in our place of pity parties, God is there providing shade for us even in our misery. That God is there taking care of us. He's there walking alongside of us. So number one, please have a relationship with God this morning. Knowing that he's there and he wants to receive you. And that you can be thankful this morning for second chances. That you can be thankful for a God who loves you and wants to bring you back in to him this morning.
And if you're a Christian today, I pray as this time, we're going to have this time of invitation in just a second, that you would look and you say, you know, where have I fallen short? Where am I sitting there? And I'm mad at God because this plant dried up and God is the one that gave me that plant. God is the one that done all these things for me. God is the one that has forgiven me, even in my pity party towards blaming God for all my troubles, uh, that we would be just a, a people of thank. Uh, thankfulness, that we'd be a repentive people that just say, God, thank you for loving me and caring for me, even when I don't deserve it, because all the blessings and everything that I have, all the riches, all the promises, all the inheritance that I have is all because of you. Those two boys had nothing to hang their hat on except the fact of their father's riches. And the same thing is true for us today. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we just thank you and we praise you, Lord God. I pray we, through the explanation, Lord God, your word is clear, but I pray even through my words this morning, just starting out and understanding and explaining the story, Lord God, I pray that we understood it. I pray that we saw it this morning. But more importantly, Lord God, I pray that we saw ourselves in this story. I pray, Lord God, that we would see and understand that we have seen and understood this morning uh, of how you want and desire a relationship with us. Lord God, nothing that we could hang our hats on, Lord God, it's all because of what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, to, to make reconciliation for us. And I'm just thanking you this morning, Lord God. Thank you for reconciliation. Thank you for second chances this morning, Lord God. And I pray for anyone that has never received you this morning as their savior, doesn't have a relationship with you. I pray this morning they would choose you. I pray this morning that they would finally come to the end of themselves in a place of surrender and saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, come in to my life. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord of my life, the ruler, the master, the one in control of my life. Lord, I pray as we, as many, maybe, maybe many this morning, maybe some this morning, Lord God, that has looked at that and examined themselves this morning and saying, I need this relationship. I called out to you for salvation. I pray, Lord God, that they would make that public to, to this morning, Lord God, whether it's in a conversation with me or someone next to them, Lord, I pray that they would express what has happened in their heart and life this morning. Lord, I turn my attention to believers, people who say that they have returned home to to you this morning, Lord. They have, Lord God. Maybe it was several years ago as far as salvation. Maybe it was more recently, Lord. Whatever the case is, I pray that we would never lose the sense of understanding, of returning home, and know that it's only because of your grace, only because of your mercy, only because of your love. That you are the one, Lord God, has given us all of these things, this life in you. That we would be thankful. That we would praise you with our life. Our life belongs to you. Lord, and I pray even in our time of falling short, even in our time of misery, even in our time of self-pity, you still take care of us. You still listen to us. You still love us. You still care for us. And I pray we would acknowledge it, Lord God, and just move on in you this morning. Again, Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray.